Rick, get down to this is Wicket's World with Mike Wicket on 1021 FM and 1350 ESPN Des Moines. Happy Friday here on 1021 FM and 1350 ESPN Des Moines. What's going on? A uh, lot of stuff to talk about. And I think, correct me if I am wrong here, Kira, because opening day is next week in Major League Baseball. Mm-hmm. This is the last weekend here on ESPN Des Moines where we don't actually have a live sporting event. We've had so much Drake stuff, you know, football and uh, Drake men's basketball and Drake women's basketball. And then we carry a lot of the, the, the college football games and the regular season and college basketball games, some NBA stuff, too. I, I don't think we have anything planned for this weekend. I could be wrong, but the next week we get Cubs baseball. Opening yep. day is next Thursday. Yep, yep, yep. Wow. Busy time. Hard to believe it's already April. Ugh. By the way, um, for anybody who has uh, an April Fool's, it's stupid. Whatever you're having, whatever you're planning, it is the worst day of the year to be on social media. All right? Um, you know, whatever your political affiliation is, if your team loses an election, that's a bad time for you to be on social media. I get it. But today sucks for everybody, especially if you're in the information-gathering industry like I happen to be. Going into today's show, you have to dodge bullets like Neo in the Matrix of all of the crap news coming. Like I, I follow sites from sporting outlets all over the country. And there's one I follow out of Detroit called Woodward Sports. Woodward is the main drag in downtown Detroit. And this, this show was putting up this meme that Kyler Murray was obtained by the Detroit Lions. That's, I mean, come on. If you fall for anything today, anything, you're an idiot. <laughs> okay? It's just, it, April Fool's Day is dumb. I don't understand why it was ever a thing. I don't understand why people still think it's a thing. And anything you see on the Internet today, you have to verify three times, all right, before you can believe it. Which makes this job a little bit tougher. Because, you know... It's like, oh, cool, that'd be a great story. I'd love to talk about Kyler Murray to the Lions. That would change the NFC. North. Oh, April 1st. Love to talk about Julian Edelman, who's like on to the next chapter, and it's got him playing for it. Up, oh, April 1st. Guys getting sixth and seventh years of eligibility in college sports. Come on. I wish we would do away with this stupid holiday. It's only Unless you're going to prank your kids, it's dumb. All right? Stop with anything to do with... Pulling practical jokes on April Fool's Day. Did you prank your kids today, Wicket? No, I, was, I, I do the morning show on laser. I'm up at four. <laughs> the kids don't wake up until closer to seven. I'm gone, and I'm not going to do it, you know. Plus, there's three, two, and two. You could do anything, and it would prank. <laughs> it's not really a prank, Kira, if they don't understand it's a joke. They're just like, okay, you took it away. No, because to them, when I do something that makes me laugh, they cry. Then I have to deal with... You took the teddy bear away, or the teddy bear was really, poof, it's gone. It's like, oh, they're upset. <laughs> so we got it, uh, a week away. We're less than a week away from opening day. Uh, it always coincides, usually opening day in baseball. And I'll tell you what, here's a little silver lining for you. And I know that you were sad, Kara, because you're a Cardinals fan. I'm a Brewers fan. Uh, people were sad that opening day got pushed back. But the silver lining is this. A, we get opening day next week, which is cool. But I don't know if you know this, but uh, it snowed recently. Did you ever wake up yesterday morning and there was snow on the ground on oh, Thursday if you're here in Des Moines? Snow. Yeah. An inch. Yeah. I was like, what is the hell is this, Mother Nature? 
But it was that way in a lot of cities, all right? And, and the East Coast is getting, the northern part of the East Coast is getting our snow that we had two days ago or yesterday. And I'm thinking, this is a, and I have been preaching this my entire career and most of my life. Opening day is far too early, all right? The baseball season, days-wise, is far too long. I'll, I'll listen to arguments that 162 games is too much, but days-wise, the calendar, baseball is way too long. So I don't actually mind that opening day got pushed back a week because do you know how many people in Milwaukee, Chicago, Detroit, New York, Boston, Pittsburgh, I don't know if St. Louis got any snow. I know Kansas City did. I don't know if the direction went straight across Missouri or just kind of went up and around and then to the upper, uh, you know, like Pennsylvania, the upper Midwest area. I have no idea. But I do know that tailgating in snow sucks, <laughs> unless it's for a football game. You know, base, winter, okay, cool. You're, it's fall, you're, you're at Kinnick, you're at Jack Trice, there's some snow coming down. Maybe you go to a game up at uh, Camp Randall in Wisconsin or whatever. Or, or Minnesota, you tailgate outside snow. It's, it's what it's supposed to be. It's football. Exactly. Yeah. It's a, it's, well, it's not a winter sport, but it falls into winter. Right. So it's just to be expected. The if, NFL falls into the winter. Yes. Mm -hmm. If it snows at a baseball tailgate, there's something wrong. It's a bad day. You can't. <laughs> and I know anybody can have fun anywhere, but I have been some of the cold. And, I, and I'm a dumbass when it comes to, like, going to a tailgate early in the year. And I'm just like, well, I'm wearing shorts anyway. I don't care. Oh, There's a wind chill. I went to a tailgate once at Miller Park up in Milwaukee, and I wore shorts and flip-flops. Oh, my God. You were, you were that kid in I was, high school, No, but you? I wasn't. That was the thing. <laughs> I was like, I'll just drink enough beer and keep myself warm. No. I had to have somebody bring me socks. They wound up being rainbow toe socks. Ooh. But they kept my feet warm with my flip-flops. And it was like raining, so I had to stay under the tent. So when we get the, if we could move opening day back to tax day every single year, and I know owners will never do it because that would mean we would have to do extra double headers. And owners don't like double headers because double headers mean they have to give you two baseball games for the price of one ticket. They can't clear everybody out, make everybody pay for parking again, and owners lose money. God forbid the billionaires lose a couple of dollars. But I don't mind opening day getting pushed back a week uh, depending on what opening day you might be going to south side north side of chicago st louis kansas city wherever anywhere in the midwest anything basically north of kansas city shouldn't even have opening day till till may because of how volatile the weather can be in the month of april i would i would just every game has to be played in tampa or houston or san diego or la maybe i'll allow kansas city because i've been to some warm days warm games in april down at that kaufman stadium but if you just draw a line across the country, you know, the, take the Bible Belt. Drive, drive it across the Bible Belt. Those games should, all, south of the Bible Belt, you get all the opening day games. North of the Bible Belt, unless they're playing in a, in a dome, should be played after tax day or not even until May. That's my baseball take. But we get baseball next week, so baseball is back. We'll have all of the Cubs games here in Des Moines on ESPN Des Moines. 162 of them. And uh, we shall see. I think I saw the over-under was like 74 and a half for the Cubs. Eef. Yikes. Yikes. And then, of course, if you're an iCubs fan, catch all of the iCubs games over on Hope 940 AM. Um, so I do want to start with some college basketball, of course. Start with get to some college basketball here. 
Final Four weekend is here. Uh, I told you last week, I think my bracket was on fire before we got on the, on the air, I believe. Maybe. Can't quite remember. Choose not to. Yeah, choose, choose. I'm just not remembering the first two weeks of the NCAA tournament because I don't have much of a dog in the fight. Uh, early game coming up tomorrow, we get Villanova and we get Kansas. Along the way, Nova has beaten 15-seeded Delaware, 7th-seeded Ohio State, 11th-seeded Michigan, and 5th-seeded Houston. Kansas got here by beating 16 uh, Texas Southern, 9-seeded Creighton, 4th-seeded Providence, and then that competitive first half of a game... But the ugly second half of a game against 10-seeded Miami. And Brian Haney, who is the uh, voice of the Kansas Jayhawks, was on this radio station earlier today. And, and he said that maybe, just maybe, that was the best half of basketball, the second half against Miami, that the Jayhawks played. Kansas all season has had a hard time really putting their foot on the throat of the competition and blowing teams out. It's not like Bill Self's typical dominant teams in the Big 12, and yet they finally put it all together for those 20 minutes. And it was on the heels of arguably their worst half in the NCAA yeah. tournament, that first half in which they had their largest deficit at any point these first four games, these first down six at the break. So to see the defense ratcheted up several notches, turning defense into offense with one of the best fast-break transition offenses in the country, and then seeing Ochai Abaji, a National Player of the Year candidate, been in a bit of a shooting slump for about three-plus weeks now, to see him finally hitting some outside shots, that was like manna from heaven. I, uh, I didn't see the second half of this game. I watched the entire first half at a bar in Detroit. I was at the airport in Detroit, flying back here to Des Moines. And I was visiting my father last weekend, and I got to spend uh, a couple of days with him. And I got to the, this Mediterranean restaurant that had a bar. It was only right by my gate in the Detroit airport. And I sit down and I'm watching it. I'm like, God, how in the world did Miami get here? Because that is one ugly, disjointed, offensively challenged basketball team. And I know they play great defense, and I think... Three of the top five steel leaders in all of college basketball play for the Canes. Then I was like, what is, my, what is Kansas doing messing around with the, the, this pathetic team? And I didn't see the second half. I just know that, as Hanny said, they just turned it on. And they just absolutely blew Miami right out of, you know, out of the gym. And good for Kansas, because Kansas needed to play well. And they wound up playing maybe their best second half, maybe their best half of football after the or of basketball after playing the worst half they had all year, as you heard Hanny say. So up next, they get Villanova. And this is a good Nova team. They, like everybody in college basketball, if they don't hit threes, they're not going to do a whole heck of a lot, but they play really good defense. And KU fans, KU fans are pretty darn familiar with Jay Wright and Villanova. Kansas fans are well aware of yep. Jay Wright going for his third title since 2016 because obviously they knocked us out in the Elite Eight in Louisville there in, uh, in 2016. Then it was the national semifinal game in San Antonio in 2018. That thing was over at the under-16-minute media timeout in the first <laughs> half. It was 21-3 to quicker than you could say rock chalk. Lights out. Just unbelievable performance by Nova. They set a record for three-pointers in a Final Four game 
by halftime. That's how bad it was in, in terms of the performance they put on at KU's expense. And so the Jayhawks feel like they've got a score to settle, certainly, but they have all the respect and all the respect in the world for Jay Wright and the world right and, and the tremendous job he's done at Villanova. You know, Jay Wright is one hell of a coach. Um, to, to continue to win at the rate that Jay Wright has won at has been just so impressive. And this is another really good Villanova team. I, it's funny. I don't know if a lot of people put Villanova into this point in their bracket. Um, you know, like I said, they, they came through by beating Delaware and Ohio State and Michigan and Houston. And that Houston game was kind of ugly. It was real, you know, played in the mud, real low-scoring contest. Um, but, again, Nova is just – they're really good. They're always coached well by, by Jay Wright. Meanwhile, on the other side, I think there are a lot of KU fans who, you know, you love your team if you're a Kansas fan. You appreciate what Bill Self has done, but there's this feeling of doubt, I think, with Kansas fans. Like, when is the Bill Self blow-up game going to happen? You know, we mentioned a matchup a couple of years ago, and it was 21-3, to and the game was pretty much over before everybody could even get into their seats when Kansas and Villanova played a while back. Coming up on the other side, I want you to hear from Kerry Kittles, a former Villanova Wildcat, plus a current Wildcat, and Brian Gillespie moving forward. And, of course, we'll get into the other matchup between North Carolina and Duke, the great rivalry in college basketball. And for the very first time, very first time, they're playing in the NCAA tournament. We'll find out what that means to Hubert Davis, who is the head coach of the, uh, the Tar Heels. We'll do that next. It's Wicket's World here on ESPN Des Moines. Like ESPN Des Moines on Facebook and watch Wicket's World live in real time. This is 1021 FM and 1350 ESPN Des Moines. Is that what this is? Merry Christmas? It's yeah. April Fool's. Stop it with the April Fool's jokes. I just told you. We're not doing that. Thank you. <laughs> Although I do love Christmas. I could listen to Christmas music every single day. Wicket's World here on 1021 FM and 1350 ESPN Des Moines. I'm Mike Wicket. Follow us on Twitter at ESPN DSM. Hello if you're watching the show on the ESPN Des Moines Facebook page. It is a bad hair day for me. I apologize for that. Um, and I think I just blew my nose on camera. So that's what we've got going on here. I'm real, real, the face of professional broadcasting is right here. 22 years in the industry. Face of professional broadcasting. Uh, so we were talking a lot about the NCAA tournament, the Final Four going on this weekend. And uh, the first matchup that you get at five is Nova and KU. And I, if you're a math nerd, I'm kind of a little bit of a math nerd. I'm not that smart, but... I like to see who's had the tougher road to get to this point in the NCAA tournaments. I will usually add up the seedings. You know, if it, they, the, uh, the Jayhawks played a 16 seed, Nova played a 15 seed, and add them up and see whose number was lower. Because if you played the lower number, generally you played, you know, a little tougher competition to get here. If you add up Nova's, Delaware, Ohio State, Michigan, and Houston, and then you add up Kansas, who played Texas Southern, Creighton, Providence, and Miami... You get 38 and you get 39. So these two teams have gone through pretty similar paths. Uh, both played 
uh, a double-digit seed in the second weekend, and then a single-digit a single-digit seed as well in the second weekend. They just flipped. Nova played Michigan an 11 seed early, Houston late, KU beat Providence, and then Miami late. So if you add up all the seedings and take that for what it's worth, it's just been something I find interesting every single year. Uh, both teams pretty even. Nova, the seeds they beat add up to 38. Kansas, the seeds they beat add up to 39. Speaking of the Jayhawks, ESPN's Chris Budden was asked about uh, KU's mindset going into this matchup with Nova. Kansas gets this extra piece for the postseason in Remy Martin, who's been outstanding. And Kevin, I talked to Bill Self a couple weeks ago about the identity of this team. And he told me they're not the most individually talented group, but they think they are. And I love it. Mm. Interesting. They got plenty of talent on that Kansas team. You know, and the way that Bill Self runs his offense, this is a team that should be able to score a ton of points. All right. So on the other side is Villanova. And I mentioned they went through Delaware, Ohio State, Michigan, and Houston to get here. A guy who used to play for Villanova, Kerry Kittles, was asked about what he sees in Wildcat head coach Jay Wright. Jay Wright and what he's been able to do at Villanova in his long career there, I, I think, you know, he really shifted the culture of that of that men's basketball program into being a very, very competitive regional uh, Big East program to now being a national blue blood program. And I, I think, you know, what he's accomplished, winning multiple, multiple Big East championships, Big East tournament championships, and now contending just about every year in, in the NCAA tournament, winning two titles. He's putting himself in that conversation for the Mount Rushmore of all college basketball coaches. Wow. I can't knock what Kittles is saying because Nova has had some serious NCAA tournament runs. They had the real famous win over Carolina. What's his name? Hit the shot at the buzzer to win the whole thing. I remember laying in bed watching that what was that about 2016 27 along those lines and i'm laying in bed my wife and i are laying there she's trying to sleep i'm watching college basketball of course it's the national championship game it's north carolina and it's villanova and i can't remember the dude's name that hit the big the game-winning shot he comes down time expires championship on the line he hits the jumper and i i'm not kidding kara i'm laying there i got one eye open and i pop up <laughs> Like like the Undertaker in a coffin, like woo! And I don't care about Villanova. I was already my bracket was already on fire, like most years. But I just whoop pop right up because that's one of those moments that you will remember. And I can't remember the kid's name that hit the shot, but you will remember where you were forever when you see a buzzer beater moment like that in the NCAA tournament, especially to win the championship and put Villanova in that conversation with the big dogs in college basketball. And so when you, when you mention the Mount Rushmore, Kerry Kittles mentioned the Mount Rushmore there, it's like, I can't, I can't really deny that maybe Jay Wright's in that conversation these days. I don't know who's in that conversation anymore because guys are retiring, Calipari has fall, fallen off, uh, you know, Hubert Davis hasn't done a hell of a lot over at Carolina, Duke, they usually bow out much earlier than this point in the NCAA tournament, but they're here now, and... Mike Krzyzewski is still on that Mount Rushmore. You know, Michigan State hasn't done a whole lot in a while. Tom Izzo's name, I don't think you put that up there with the four or five best coaches in college basketball. It seems to fluctuate. Mark Few can't be in that conversation until he wins a championship at Gonzaga, even though they keep, keep, keep winning 30, 35 games a year. They're always the favorite. They got knocked out. I've always told you my betting advice. I have two things, two pieces of betting advice. 
Number one, never bet on Gonzaga. Number two, always bet on Tom Brady. More times than not, Brady's going to win, and my never bet on Gonzaga is undefeated. Undefeated. And I have receipts to prove it over on Twitter. Follow me, at Mike Wicket. So back to this one, uh, Nova, with their star, Brian Gillespie, uh, they go up against uh, the, the Jayhawks, and, and Gillespie knows that this team has got a lot of confidence riding into this one. I think part of it is kind of just having no fear of failure. I've been in a lot of situations before. A guy with the ball in my hands, I've watched guys before me do it, so I've had the ability to kind of learn and just try to make the right decision in that, in that moment and uh, just live with it. I, I'm gonna, this is one of those where I look at the matchup, and to me, it is absolutely a dead heat in terms of what these teams like to do, who these two teams are. KU is a four-point favorite. If I'm a betting man, I'm going to take Nova and the points. I think this comes down to coaching. I think Jay Wright's a better coach than Bill Self. I will take Villanova. On the other side, Duke and North Carolina. You look at Carolina, if I were to tell you that one of these teams was a, was a two-seed at 32-6 and six, and the other team was 28-9 and and an eight-seed, you'd say, what the hell's North Carolina doing here? They, they don't, you just generally don't see eight-seeds get to the final four. But here they are. Hubert Davis's team is here, and Davis said to ESPN earlier this week, look, the rivalry just, it doesn't matter right now. The rivalry is real. My thought process and my communication to the players has been none of that. Mm -hmm. and the reason being is that doesn't help us Saturday. Like, what helps us Saturday is our preparation, our practice, and how well we play. The historical factor of us for the first time meeting in the final four the rivalry coach k's last year my first year that's insignificant to us he's right he's 100 percent right you know he and i'm sure if you're listening you're like well it, as soon as he started his um his his statement there that the rivalry is real yeah the rivalry is real it doesn't matter going into this game you know they're not playing in Durham, they're not playing at Chapel Hill. They're not playing in front of the home crowd. They're playing in New Orleans in a football stadium. I saw some horrendously high prices inside that building, and the view is pretty much what it would be from right here in Des Moines. You are so far away from the seats, and you're spending $700 to do it. Yeah, you're in the building. You get to see your team do it. But, man, oh, man, are tickets crazy expensive. I don't know if they would be this expensive had St. Peter's beat Duke. I'm sorry, St. Uh, Peter's beaten uh, North Carolina. But the people that are loving this matchup, there's several groups of people outside of Nova, KU, Duke, and UNC fans. You know who's so excited about this matchup? A, the TV executives. The ratings are going to be great because you have four traditional blue blood programs who have fan bases all over the country, especially with Duke, Carolina, and Kansas. There are Jayhawk, Blue Devil, and Tar Heel fans everywhere. Not so much Nova Wildcat fans. That's kind of more of a regional thing. But the success Villanova has had will drive eyes to the TV. But you get these four. The TV executives are just loving it. I think the ratings will be through the roof tomorrow night for that second matchup, the Duke-Carolina game which tips at 7.45 our time here in Des Moines. The other people that love this? StubHub. <laughs> the StubHub people, the scalpers, 
the secondary ticket market people love this matchup. Again, Carolina beating St. Peter's probably quadrupled the price of tickets, if not more, for Duke Carolina. If it's Duke St. Peter's, yeah, that might be the early game. The KU Nova game might be the late game, and the primetime game might get flipped. But the fact that it's Duke and North Carolina, I mean, you're talking about hundreds of dollars, hundreds and hundreds of dollars to sit up high and thousands and thousands of dollars just to sit down low. I mean, you're going to get potentially Mike Krzyzewski's last game. Here's Coach K about finishing out his career the way he wanted to. To have a storybook (laughs) because I wanted to coach one more year and I wanted to have a good succession plan for 32 games. And my guys have been terrific. Any emotion that I've shown has not been because it's my last season. If you're, it's your last season, you're really a selfish person. And uh, although there are people out there that think I am, in this respect, I am not. I, I've always taught that shared emotion is the best. And to be able to share that emotion and accomplishment with these, uh, these, these guys have been, uh, has been really good. So you get Duke, you get Carolina, you get the rivalry. I mean, I, I, I will be very into because I watched the end of the Carolina-Duke game, Coach K's last game at Durham when the Tar Heels came in and upset Duke in that one. And when it was weird because it was Coach K night, if you remember, a couple of weeks ago. But after the game, they had this ceremony. And it was supposed to be Mike was going to come out and sit in the chairs, and he was going to get introduced by, like, the AD and the school president. But after they lost, they go to the locker room. They do the post-game, you know, locker room speech. Coach K came out, went right to the microphone before the ceremony began. It was like, this one's my fault. We're not done yet. And here they are on the, the doorstep of getting to a national championship. I know some people think it might be rigged because of the um, – you know, the storybook, Mike Krzyzewski, the NCAA loves Duke, whatever. We get Duke and Carolina one more time with Mike Krzyzewski and then for the first time in the NCAA tournament, which is wild. By the way, I added up the seedings uh, for the teams that Carolina and Duke have beaten to get here. Duke beat uh, Cal State Fullerton a 15, Michigan State a 7, Texas Tech a 3, and Arkansas a 4. That adds up to 29. North Carolina beat 9-seeded Marquette, a number 1 in Baylor, a number 4 in UCLA, and then, of course, the darling St. Peter's, also 29. How about that? How about that? They both get there. But you know what the biggest story in the entire Duke-Carolina rivalry matchup really is? It's about a country music star. All right? You can talk about basketball and three-point percentage and Hubert Davis and Mike Krzyzewski all you want. But the biggest storyline in this that everybody's talking about is a guy named Eric Church. Kara, are you an Eric Church fan? Do you know anything about Eric Church? No, sir. Nope. Nope, me neither. Mm-mm. No, nothing. Uh, I know he's a bro country guy. There are a lot of, um, I believe there's some bedazzled jeans in his onstage getup. I know he is a country superstar, and fans love. I think he was here in Des Moines not too long ago. I think he played Wells Fargo Arena not too long ago. Eric Church is a North Carolina fan who has canceled, not even postponed. He canceled his tour stop in San Antonio, Texas, because he wants to watch North Carolina. He's going to the game 
to watch Carolina and Duke. He admitted that the cancellation was the, quote, most selfish thing he has ever asked of his fans, who they call the church choir, but preemptively thanked them for letting him watch any sports enthusiast's dream. Now, I, I understand the outrage here, and I, I get it. I'm not going to both sides this for you, because what I think Eric Church has done is incredibly disrespectful to his fans. It is incredibly rude. It is a slap in the face to his fans. But remember this. This isn't all of his fans. This is a small percentage of his fans. I don't know what the AT&T Center holds in San Antonio, Texas. Probably 20,000. Can we just say 20,000? Most of those people live in San Antonio. Not all. A lot of them are making a day's drive. They're making a weekend out of it. And those people are the ones that are the most or should be the most upset. The people who have played, uh, paid for hotel rooms, rental cars, airfare. Uh, you, you booked your nanny or your babysitter or whatever. Maybe you took a day off and you just cost yourself a day off from work. Those are the things that can't be refunded. The tickets to the concert can be refunded. But because the news cycle in this world is so quick, because country music fans are so loyal, I don't think he's going to lose very many fans at all. Maybe you just won't be as much of a fan if you were supposed to go to that show. But if you're not directly affected, as a San Antonio Eric Church fan... I don't think you care all that much other than to say, well, what do you think? Well, I think it's rude. Like, I don't care about country music. I don't live in Texas. I would, you couldn't pay me to go to an Eric Church concert. Or maybe you could pay me to do it, but I'm not going to pay for a ticket in my life. And I look at it and I think, this is rude. This is incredibly rude. And someone said, well, you know, I one time uh, skipped a friend's wedding to go to the Kentucky Derby. <laughs> yeah, but no one's paying 400 bucks a pop to go watch you do anything. That's what they're paying for these concert tickets, or 400 bucks plus 300 for a hotel and airfare. Or I mean, you're talking about a thousand dollars that you're not going to see most of come back. Other, you know, you're going to go have your fun in San Antonio, but your concert event is gone. What What would you have done if it's no secret you went to the corn concert? I went to corn. I lost hearing in my ear for four days. Had, had a great time though. <laughs> yes. What would you have done if? When was the show supposed to be? Monday. Monday. Yeah. Um, what would you have done if Corn was like, just kidding, we're going to go do other things? Another basketball. They got something yeah, else going up. I would have been upset. Yeah. I, I definitely would have been upset. I think the difference is, um, and it's no secret, I got my tickets for free, but I think the difference is I didn't pay for the ticket. I also live here in Des Moines. You know, um, I think if people were coming, say, from southern Minnesota, you know, near the border, the Iowa-Minnesota border, or driving in from Council Bluffs, and it was a Monday night, so you probably had to get a hotel. You probably had to take the next day off if you're a normal person. So I think those people would have had a right to be upset with corn. Um, Jonathan Davis, the, head, the lead singer of corn, did shows last fall with COVID from a throne. But because he wasn't... Uh, Dave Grohl broke his foot on stage, and the Foo Fighters finished the show. Like, these guys take... They, to take off for a sickness, a death, a, a birth in the family, something serious, I'm fine with. But to say, I don't care about you 20,000 fans at the AT&T Center because I want to watch a basketball game, I think is incredibly rude and a slap in the face. Oh, yeah. You know? 
I, I understand the question about corn. Um, I think, again, I, it, it's a good question. I think I would have been upset. I don't think I would call what you call a diehard corn fan. Mm. Um, but there are some people who are going to lose out on a lot of money that are traveling to San Antonio. Oh, no. And you yeah. know what I mean? You're, you're 100% right. And you, you can't refund the airline ticket. I hope Eric Church feels bad. He won't, though. He won't. He's got, 20, I hope he does he's got a little. millions of fans. He's probably pissing <laughs> off 15,000. Yeah. yeah, they'll get over it. They'll yeah. go to the next one and the next one. I, I, I do hope from, from his standpoint that he does make up the show, make up the date, reschedule whenever he can get to San Antonio and do something crazy, do something wild for the fans, make it a $25 show or something. You know what I mean? Take a loss. Take a loss on the show to show your fans how sorry you are. Um, so in that case, I'm rooting for Duke. <laughs> I've never rooted for Duke in my life, but in that case, I hope Duke wins. So Eric Church's Saturday night is ruined. <laughs> You're listening to Wicket's World on 1021 FM and 1350 ESPN Des Moines. Just like the, just like that, we're back, right? Wow, that was quick. 1021 FM and 1350 ESPN Des Moines, Wicket's World. I'm Mike Wicket. Uh, poll question going on on the ESPN Des Moines uh, Twitter page. Follow us and vote at ESPN DSM. Who will play for the national championship? Will it be Kansas and Duke, Kansas and Carolina, Nova and Duke, or Nova and Carolina? Vote on Twitter at ESPN DSM. You can also follow me uh, at Mike Wicket. I have just retweeted it as well. So one of the stories that I don't understand and I'm glad an expert got in on this. I don't get why Troy Aikman is getting paid more than 97% of NFL players to call Monday Night Football from ESPN. He's making $18, $19 million a year. Joe Buck is getting paid $15 million a year for just Monday Night Football? To call? To call the games. Like on, on... on ESPN. That's it. On ESPN television. How do we get in on that? <laughs> well, well, Kara, Troy Aikman won three Super Bowls with the Dallas Cowboys and then uh, took over for the great John Madden over on Fox about 20 years ago. So all you got to do is become a Cowboys quarterback, win a couple of titles, and then take over for a legend. Joe Buck, well, his dad was a legendary broadcaster for your St. Louis Cardinals, Jack Buck. <laughs> and some say that opened the door. So if you have a parent that was a famous uh, broadcaster, that might help you. Hmm. So either way, that means you're probably sitting here with me for a few more five days. <laughs> <laughs> I don't understand. Tony Romo makes $15, 20000000 million a year. And, you know, I, I can't understand why networks do this. They're hemorrhaging money, except when it comes to the NFL. And they're paying these guys to, to do these broadcasts, and I don't get it. And I thought I was the only one. And then Greg Gumbel, who is a legend in the industry, went on the SI Media podcast. And it's, it's really funny to hear him bring up a couple of points that, that I have been making. Like, I didn't love the Monday Night Football team that we had last season with Lewis Riddick and uh, Greasy, and I don't even remember the, the, the lead man's name. But you know what I did every Monday night? I watched the game. You know, I love Al Michaels, and I love Chris Collinsworth. And I'm going to watch Sunday Night Football, or 
no longer the team, but that's I was going to watch Sunday Night Football regardless of who was doing the play-by-play. So when Greg Gumbel goes on the Sports Illustrated Media podcast, that's one of the things that, that he talks about. I've never felt in my entire life that there is an announcer who can bring someone to the TV set to watch a game that that viewer wasn't already going to watch. And I believe that the only thing that a broadcaster can do is chase people away. I know this for a fact because I won't name them, but there are three or four announcers that go, oh, I'm really interested in watching it. Oh, no, click, gone. Because oh, I would, I would love to know those names. Maybe off there, I'll tell you. But I truly believe that. I don't, yeah. think, I don't think that, that someone is yeah. going to tune in just to hear a particular person call a football game. Yeah. There are some other things that happen, too, is that the games that the people who are making this money, the, the money that they're, that they're calling are really good games. Really yeah. good games. Yeah. Now, you know, people have said to me, "Oh, didn't Alan, Alan, Chris did a great job on Thursday night." Said, yeah, they always do a great job. However, they do the best game of the week. Right. All the way back to the days of Pat Summerall and John Madden. Pat and John were terrific. I wanted to pattern myself after Pat Summerall. He didn't overtalk. He was understated. He was specific about the things that he said, and they were terrific. But how could you not be terrific when every Sunday you're doing? Yeah. Giants, Cowboys, Bears, Packers, Rams, 49ers, Cowboys, Redskins, Eagles, Giants. You know, those are the, all of the games that, 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 that the pick of the litter. Right. Mo, Larry, and Curly. No offense to anyone calling games. Mo, Larry, and Curly can do a good football game. It's true. It, it, it is. I mean, if, if you give me Chiefs and Packers or Chiefs and Bills, if you give me Mahomes versus Josh Allen, I'm watching that game. I don't care if there's even anybody calling the game. It doesn't matter to me. That is a matchup I want to watch. If you, I mean, there, he, what he said in the beginning there was so true, and it's Greg Gumbel if you're just joining us. There's nothing, there's no broadcaster that's going to bring you to a game. The only thing a broadcaster can do is turn you off. And I believe that. There are some people I don't really care for, but if it's the NFL... Are you really going to turn? What else are you going to do? You know, are, are you going to turn off the NFL? You're not going to turn off the NFL. Are you kidding me? Look at the ratings. They're just, it, we, it's fantasy. It's gambling. It's your confidence pools. It's your favorite team. It's a week-to-week league, and everything matters. The NFL is, like, infallible right now. And ESPN, and ESPN pays a lot of people far too much money regardless. Stephen A. Smith. But ESPN seems to have a financial issue. We keep hearing about how they have to cut all these people because they don't have any money. Dude, they're paying Joe Buck and Troy Aikman $33 million to call games. Like, I don't understand it. There are some guys, you know, and mostly this is on the color commentary side. I'm not a big Troy Aikman guy. I think Troy Aikman is, I don't know, he doesn't add anything to me. If it was just Buck or if it was... Buck and uh, Squirrel or whatever, I'd be fine with that. I don't care. I don't like Troy Aikman all that much. Now, in the past, and call me weird, and I know I might be in the minority, but there were times when I'm like, oh, Monday Night Football, Dennis Miller. Does anybody remember Dennis Miller in the booth? Or Tony Kornheiser when he was in the booth? They They would tell jokes, and it added something different, but the main attraction is football. 
And as long as a competent play-by-play person is calling football games and getting out of the way, letting the color guy come in and break stuff down, and then get out of the way, and the play-by-play guy goes in and breaks stuff down, that's all that matters. Like if they went down to Tony Siragusa, remember when Fox had the goose on the, uh, the sidelines, and he'd say something stupid? I loved that. Or even John Gruden, when he was talking about Spanish, you know, triple X, Y, banana. You're like, what? What are you talking about? You know, the, the, the easy part, like he's saying there, like Greg Gumbel was saying, is it's easy to call, it's easy to be like, wow, that broadcast was great because, you know, uh, Chris and Al were so outstanding. Now, if it's Mahomes versus Josh Allen, the product is what you're going to remember and everything affiliated with the game that gets out of control at the very end, like that playoff game, you're going to be like, oh, that was great. But what happens when the game sucks? Here's Gumbel. The test and the problem is when you get a one in <laughs> Bradshaw and I did a game, the last game of the season that we did, we worked together. It was the two and 13 Tampa Bay Bucks against the one of two and, what was the two and uh, 12 Tampa Bay Bucks and the one and 13 Detroit Lions. Right. <laughs> the last game of the season, and we're in the 30 seconds prior to coming on the air, and Stabler says to our director, hey, John, John says, yeah, is this game going anywhere outside of the stadium? <laughs> because those are the games yeah. that are really tough to do and that you have to draw on all of the research that you've done, all of the storytelling. You know, you try to avoid, here's, here's the picture of me and my uncle when I was three. You know, it becomes, it becomes more difficult because the game isn't carrying itself. Sometimes those games are great. You know, sometimes when you go to a game where the teams are 2-10 and 2-10, and 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 you, you watch that game, sometimes the defenses in those games are so terrible, it's 45-41. I one time, on a whim, a buddy and I went to go to the Michigan-Ohio State game on a Saturday in Ann Arbor, the football game, and then the next day, uh, we went to the Lions and Browns game, and it was Matt Stafford versus Brady Quinn. And if you remember, and maybe you don't, because it was a Lions and Browns game, the two teams are lousy and going nowhere, like, most of the time, that was the game when Matt Stafford, like, busted his shoulder, but still came in the game at the end of the day, or end of the day, and threw the game-winning touchdown pass. I think the final score was like 45 to 41 or something ridiculous. And I remember that I'll never forget that game. But if you're a broadcaster and you're doing that game, it's like, oh my god, we have four combined wins and it's already late December. How in the hell are we going to get through that game? That's what makes the broadcasters so great. Those are the guys that should be getting paid huge money. Monday Night Football, for the most part, is going to be a great game or a great matchup. Sunday Night Football, going to be the best game of the week. Thursday night, they are going to give Al Michaels and Kirk Herbstreet, which is your new Thursday night team. By the way, it's only going to be on Amazon Prime other than week one. So if you don't have Amazon Prime, you're not going to be able to legally watch Thursday Night Football. Not that I endorse anyone to stream anything illegally. I would never do that. Kira, I would never. Nope. No, I would never. Never in your life? No. Don't ask my <laughs> wife, Lee, about that. <laughs> um, so I, I totally agree with Greg Gumbel. I just don't understand, you know, some of the money. And Gumbel has done a lot of play-by-play. He's done basketball. He's done football. He's done everything. He's more known as a studio guy, I think, to this generation. 
But I totally agree. I just don't understand the huge money we're paying to these guys if, if you have to pay this money and you think the result is more viewers. I got something to tell you, man. I'm watching the NFL. I'm watching Scott Hansen on Red Zone. Or if my Packers are playing, and I, I, it's now going to be the Kevin Burkholt game and Greg Olson game. It used to be the Bucket Aikman game, or it's the Nansen Romo game. I'm watching, but it has so little to do with the broadcasters. It's got to do with my fantasy team and me being a fan of whatever and playoff implications. It's got. I, it's amazing the amount of money these get paid. Do you think that uh, before we have to go? Yeah. Do you think that it's. ESPN came to them and said, we will pay you, or they went to ESPN and said, if you want us, you have to pay us. I, I think ESPN was like, how do we, because their, their Monday night crew has been a disaster. Their Monday night crew has not been good for a while, um, especially after John Gruden left to go coach the Raiders, and Lord knows his name has become mud. <laughs> ESPN's like, we got to make a splash. We got to get this right. We got to get something, but I'm still watching Monday night football. It's the most bet on sporting event of the weekend. Because it's your last chance to catch up from whatever you lost Thursday, whatever you lost on college football Saturday, whatever you lost on Sunday, whatever you lost Sunday night, it's your last chance before the following Thursday to try to make your money back. Everybody's watching that game. Now you got the Manning broadcast on Monday night, which I love because I don't have, I can sit and listen to a couple of guys banter, the game is going on, it's like sitting with two dudes I know, with Eli and Peyton. I love that, but I'm going to watch the game. I don't... I, and pay me a quarter of what you're paying Tony Romo. Or what you're, a quarter of what you're paying Joe Buck or Aikman. A tenth, whatever. I'll take it. <laughs> uh, coming up, DK Metcalf in the news. Not because he's been traded to my Green Bay Packers quite yet. Although I did see some rumors of two other teams that are in the fold to try to bring in DK Metcalf out of Seattle. I'll tell you about what I have in common with the physical specimen that is Seattle wide receiver DK Metcalf next. Wicket needs a timeout. He'll be back soon. You're listening to 1021 FM and 1350 ESPN Des Moines. All right, Kira thinks she's hilarious. Kira. I do. You think you're hilarious here on I April do. Fool's Day playing Christmas music? Try. I mean, it's been cold enough to be December. It's, yeah. You're right about that, Kira. But it is not. Stop your stupid practical joke, Kira. <laughs> yes, sir, Mr. Yes. Boss Man, stop, sir. Stop your stupid practical <laughs> April Fool's is not funny, all right? It is not. It is also very difficult when you're in the information-gathering industry, as we are, to prep for a radio show that is trying to get some entertainment, some information out to us, or out to you here on ESPN Des Moines. My name is Mike Wickett. This is Wickett's World. Uh, real quick, I want to get to the Bruce Arians news that happened this week before we uh, talk about DK Metcalf. And uh, I, I was a little shocked by this. Some people are claiming it's a conspiracy and a power play by Tom Brady uh, to get Bruce Arians out as head coach of the uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, who has now said he's going to step down and into a front office role with the organization. He met with the media yesterday to rebut all of that. Get your ass on the golf course, man. I'm getting broke. Uh, no, we have a great relationship. I mean, uh, all the players who are, there are a few in here, every one of them's gotten cussed out. 
uh, including him. So Tom. it's just part of me, you know. So uh, that, uh, there's nothing new. But we have a great relationship. I mean, as soon as he retired, I think we text every week. Hey, where are you at? What are you doing? When are you going to play golf? Uh, when are you getting back down this way? And uh, so <laughs> people got it right. I mean, and uh, it couldn't be further from the truth. I like Bruce Arian swearing at press conferences. I'm going to miss that. I like that dude swearing, wearing his, his hat that he always wears, like the fedora thing that he's always got. And uh, he's moving into a front office role. And, and this is uh, ESPN's Jeff Darlington. And uh, he was reporting on the retirement of Bruce Arians. Well, Bruce Arians' decision to retire from coaching football certainly stunned the NFL, but not necessarily the organization. For the past couple of weeks, the Bucks have been working with Arians to decide exactly how they would go about his succession plan, with Arians really wanting to make sure that Todd Bowles was the coach who was going to step in to that head coaching position. I texted with Arians late throughout the night talking to him about this decision and ultimately he said that he wanted to make sure that Bowles was stepping into a situation where he was able to succeed. Succession plans have been very important to Arians and he knows that once Tom Brady was coming back to this team he said it actually made his decision to retire easier because he knew that Bowles would be in a better situation to coach a solid team in 2022, and he could leave the Bucks organization in good hands for the future. Todd Bowles takes over. A little surprising that it wasn't Byron Leftwich, who is the offensive coordinator and flirted with the job in Jacksonville. Uh, that kind of surprised me. They gave it to Bowles on the defensive side uh, of this organization, the defensive coordinator. Now, he was the head coach of the Jets, uh, where he won... 24 games in four years, I believe, is the head coach of the of the Jets. Now, the difference is the Jets are as dysfunctional an organization as you can possibly get in the National Football League. But he said he learned a lot from that that's going to benefit him now as head coach of the Buccaneers. I think when you take a head job, you know you have to wear a lot of hats, but you don't ever experience wearing those hats. And when you understand that going in without the experience, I think you tend to do things a little differently. And you have to be man enough to know when you can change things. Usually when people get fired, they blame everybody else. The first thing I did was look within myself. And there were a lot of things I can do better that Bruce gave me warning signs for when I left Arizona that I saw in New York firsthand. And a lot of things transpired to run a building and putting the right hat on at the right time and understanding the right people at the right time. Instead of lumping everything in one whole lump and dealing with it that way, you have to treat it individually and you can't sweat the small stuff and you got to move on from there. And I think that experience has helped me become and stand right where I am today and be a better coach going forward. Bowles was on Arian's staff when he was the head coach of the Arizona Cardinals. Then he goes to the Jets and then winds up back with Arians in Tampa. So it's full circle. And now he takes over uh, for the, uh, the now retiring Bruce Arians. One other football note I do want to get to. I'm going to show you a picture here, Kara. Ooh. You describe that man's body. What would you oh say? My. How, how would you describe ripped. that man's body? So right. ripped. That is, it's like, it looks fake. A little bit. It looks photoshopped. It looks like wow. it's chiseled out of clay. That is DK Metcalf. Holy cow. He is the uh, currently a wide receiver for the Seattle Seahawks. And let me hit refresh on Twitter to see if he's been traded yet. <laughs> I would like him to get traded to my Green Bay Packers. But he was on a... A podcast with Kevin Garnett, the NBA Pro Basketball Hall of Famer. And they were asking about, well, KG was asking Metcalf about his diet. Listen to this. Talk about how important nutrition is. 
This is huge. I'm, I'm, I'm probably the worst person to ask that. <laughs> Dog, are you eating pop, you eating Popeyes, churches? Nah, see, you from I, the city, still too. I know you be eating coon soup. Yeah, that's I some be, I'm a candy type person. Um, what? I eat one meal a day, drink one coffee, and eat like three, four bags of candy. Man, define bags of candy, man. <laughs> Jelly like beans? A, nah, see, I'm a gummy, gummy, gummy type of guy. See, you get. Your lifesavers. Come on, man. Stop. Stop, man. Come on. Hold on. Hold on, man. So you finna go through a structure, a bag of candy. You about to go through the whole... Okay, let's hear this. Let's hear so, this. All right. I'm just taking you through yesterday. So yesterday, I woke up, worked out. Worked out again. Came home, showered. I'm hungry. Run to Starbucks, get a quick coffee. That's gonna hold me till like 4, 5 o'clock. What? It's 12. Okay. So it's gonna hold me for like 4 hours. Dang. Around 4.30, I'll order some candy and a water. <laughs> So I got, what did I get yesterday? Got the Skittles gummies. They're good. Then I got uh, the Lifesaver Creations. They're the same size bag, so I just mix them. So it's safe to say we're going to see a DK gummy at some point, right? Yeah, yeah, okay. for sure. Okay, you heard it. Um, Another certified Certified moment. moment. Hey. <laughs> get the gummy, get the candy, get the water, eat that. That's going to hold me to like 8 o'clock where I'm having dinner, 8, 9. And then I eat dinner, go to sleep. That's an everyday thing. That's a yes. Monday through Friday, Monday through Sunday, Monday through Monday. You know, not you eat candy like that, huh? Yeah. I'm a candy eater, yeah. The man has scored 29 touchdowns in his NFL career. His 40 time at the NFL Combine was 4-3-3. Remember the famous touchdown where he, he ran down, or the famous uh, play where he ran down Buda Baker from the Arizona Cardinals? He ran at over 22 and a half miles an hour in that because he's hopped up on caffeine and sugar. I mean, the guy eats like <laughs> I do. If you go to my minivan, all right, in, I'm not going to lie, in my minivan right now, I have a French fry holder, <laughs> but in the French fry holder, I have dumped out sour gummy bears. Next to that is an unopened bag of regular gummy bears. I eat a ton of candy. It's horrible. Kids, don't follow my diet. I have coffee. I have water. I eat more than one meal a day. My, you saw the photo of DK Metcalf, Kira. Mm -hmm. My body doesn't look like that. <laughs> I don't work out twice a morning like he does. But it is it, that if he's telling the truth, gummies, lifesavers, gummy bears, gummy worms, Starburst, Skittles, whatever, man. I want to know what coffee he's getting that's lasting him four hours. It's got to have like six shots of espresso and be a double venti. Yeah, right? like the, the Trente or yeah. whatever. Yeah, which by the way, that Trente cup, that will hold one whole bottle of wine. <laughs> if you didn't learn anything on today's show, Kara, now you have. The Trente cup will hold a bottle of wine. And how do you know that? I, if you go to Starbucks and you're like, hey, give me a vet, and then you finish the coffee and you happen to have a bottle of wine like in the car and you're going to go to the mall or whatever, you can look like a basic <laughs> bitch while you're drinking your coffee, but it's actually you're walking around with a bottle of Merlot poured into your cup, whatever it is. I mean, and these are the, the tips. I have lived a full life, Kara. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I got for you. That's it. We're done. <laughs> oh, man. And by the way, now that I know that DK Metcalf eats candy constantly, I want him on the Packers even more. I would buy a DK Metcalf jersey if he got traded and just be based on his candy consumption because it's the only thing I will ever have in common with DK Metcalf. The guy is going to be a millionaire for the rest of his life. The guy's got the, 
chiseled body like it's insane. It does look photoshopped and fake. But the dude's a badass wide receiver, and I want him in Green Bay, and I want to have Skittles with him. I want to sit down and eat a bag of gummy worms with, uh, with DK Metcalf. All right. We're out of here. That's going to do it. Kara, great job today. What'd you learn? <laughs> What'd you learn today? <laughs> that that uh, a Trente cup can hold a full bottle. The whole thing. The whole huh? thing of wine. Yep. <laughs> Just turn it over. Don't even worry. It'll fit in there. Oh my God. All right. We are done. Thanks so much for checking it out. Follow me on Twitter at Mike Wicket. If you missed anything, ESPNDesMoines.com. Thanks for watching on the Facebook page. We'll do it again next week.